Welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, as is implied by the title of this podcast. My name is Emma Sexton, and I am your host, and today I'm joined by... Jackson and Billy. And Jackson and Billy, this is your first time on the pod, ever. This is, I can confirm that. It is. They're done with Noelle and Emily, who've been on it like a million times, and yeah. Buker, who's also friends with these guys. So... We actually didn't have an episode last week. I just forgot about that because of all the hubbub of Christmas. So this is coming back after the longest break in this podcast history for the past six months. A whole week. We're off. That's a record. So now we're coming back bigger and better than ever. Literally bigger because of the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) But still better than ever. That's true. So there is a question that I ask every single first time guest on this podcast. Okay. Uh, Jackson, we'll start with you. But basically, I just want to know how much do you know about true crime? Like, what's your history with it? Did you were you into it as a kid? Were you are you into it now? Have you never looked mm-hmm. into it? Never cared about it before? Like, just give me your your history with well, it. Um, I suppose I would say it's interesting to me, but I've I've not really a background. What about it is interesting? Like what um, aspect? Well, I think that a lot of times, I don't know. It's just something that's out of the norm and that can tend to pique my interest, I suppose. But, you know, most of the time it also gets transformed into more like entertaining type of movies, documentary situations that are keeping people on edge. And that is entertaining to me. But okay. Yeah. So more of like the documentaries, movies, that sort of thing. Have you ever listened to... Um, my first murder and first degree, any of that stuff. Nope. Okay, awesome. So you're pretty, relatively new to the genre. I read the Westing game one time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Love that. And Billy, what about you? How much do you know? Same question. Like, how much do you know about true crime? What's well, your history with it? I actually am directly involved with true crime. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I was going to say, that. did at his... first I was just thinking, did something tragic happen in your family that you're about to unveil <laughs> right now for no, the first time? His, his response was more interesting than mine, but... Yeah, I just like used to watch TV shows and stuff about true crime. Like what? Like NCIS, CSI, all that. Well, stuff. that's more false crime. That's uh, more like drama <laughs> shows. It's not true. That's right. kind of how I got into it too. Like yeah. I can vividly remember the first time I ever saw Criminal Minds. It was this one episode where this pageant queen, like little girl, I guess it was somewhat off the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Um, but it was like this pageant queen little girl had like a tiara stuck to her eye. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I remember vividly seeing that and just being like, oh, okay, like I'm going to be scarred for the rest of my life now. That's and then after that, I just full like dove into the genre. But yeah, I honestly feel like those tri- true crime shows and like mm-hmm. the documentaries and stuff are hard to digest when you're younger. But mm-hmm. when you're in like middle school, everyone watches like yeah. NCIS, Criminal mm-hmm. Minds, mm-hmm. Law and Order, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I totally like get that because that's where I first got into the genre and then from there, I was like, okay, now let's watch some, like, real stuff. Like, when I was, a, like, when I started growing up, I would think about, like, how desensitized did I become to, like, like murder because I watched those shows as a kid, you know? Like, I often think about that because why is it that when we watch movies and things like that, 
people are more upset when they see a dog die than when they see a person die. Exactly. And I think it's because in every single TV show, movie, video game, someone dies, like usually, but typically, it's... or someone is dead before it starts. It's just so much more like yeah. prevalent than it is in real life of like people you know dying all the time that I feel like when you see a dog die in a movie, you're like, oh my gosh, because that never they, happens. They don't do that. Yeah. But then when you see a person die, you're like, eh. It was bound to happen sooner or later, you know, no matter what it is. Is Disney Channel, Disney Junior needs to start incorporating animal deaths. (laughs) Yes. I want to see more animal deaths, (laughs) less people deaths. Nice. No, honestly, it's just like, it's, it is true that like media over time, I think, although we've shifted a little bit more toward true crime in the past, like 10 years, Mm -hmm. people have always been interested in crime. Like crime shows have always done well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even... When I was a kid, there was a show called Castle that my entire family had watched together, which was like a murder mystery show. And it's just like, it was literally our family thing. Like all five of us would sit yeah. down and watch these like crime shows it's when fun, I was like a kid. Like a whodunit type of, it's like a game almost. Yeah. yeah. Literally on Christmas, this should give you a little bit of um, insight in how my family is. On Christmas, we did like, we ordered this murder mystery box online. <laughs> so it like comes to your door and it's like someone has died in this town and you're like helping the sheriff try to solve the crime. So literally on Christmas day, what we did was like sit at the table and look at like police reports and all this stuff mm. and try to solve this crime. That's wonderful. So we solved the first part. It's like a five part mm. box. And as you go, it you like as you solve certain parts of it they ship you new boxes and then you solve the next part of it so we have one in the mail right now that we haven't done if the real sheriff came to your house and was like hello hello we'd like your help yes i would be a terrible detective for 29.99 you can get an opportunity to solve a real world situation (laughs) the sheriff comes to your house (laughs) they charge you to (laughs) do their their job job (laughs) but once in a lifetime opportunity for (laughs) 29.99 Oh my gosh. I I just can't even like imagine being a detective just because I feel like I would get so frustrated. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just would quit. It was just I couldn't yeah. do it. Cuz uh, I feel like I have hyped myself up being like, oh, in TV shows, I can guess who it is from the very exactly. beginning. Like, I point. know. But then if it show. went to it, yeah, if it went to like a real life thing, I feel yeah. like I would just have no idea. Hmm. But then also I talk a big game about like, dude, I could easily be a detective. Watch mm-hmm. the mom did it. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you guys ever do that when you were kids? Yeah. Like guess on the yeah. shows and then yeah. you're wrong. It's like no big deal. But if you guess wrong in real life, it's like, e- <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> maybe not the best um, scenario there. I want to go see Knives Out, the new. Have I've you, heard it's yeah. good. It has like 98, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Or really? Yes. And I checked. Yeah. Cats, I think, has below 20%. Okay, guys, really we have Rotten to talk about this. <laughs> Cats got the funniest, worst, but yeah. funniest reviews I've ever seen in my entire life. It was hilarious. Literally, one of the reviews was... As I was watching this, I felt the light fading inside. (laughs) I've never laughed harder. And then there was another review that was like, um, it was like, oh, I thought my worst experience with cats would be that one time, one time when my cat was a kitten, I came home and it had uh, gone to the bathroom all over my apartment and just the dread of seeing that when I came home. Who knew that the film Cats could bring back that feeling in a whole new and even more horrifying way. That's tough. Like, I just, yeah, it's, I heard Cats was absolutely yeah. horrible. Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't decided if I want to see it yet because I feel like I want to be included. I want to see it. Yeah. <clears throat> but I also 
don't know if I want to sit through it for three hours and like watch the three hours long. No, but the previews. It's like you're making the whole effort to go see cats. It's seventeen percent Rotten Tomatoes type of thing. That's why you got to wait for it to come out on Amazon Prime. That's true. That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, it it kind of surprises me too because like. Didn't they have a mi- like a million celebrities that were in it? Yeah, I know man. Taylor Swift yeah. is in it. Yeah, so many. Who else? It was total A list cast. And Idris it's like, Elba, oh I think, goodness. was in it. Yeah, I don't know the specifics, but it was. Here we go. We got a fact check yeah. going on here, Billy. Fact check. Fact Billy, check. <laughs> Billy's full sending it on the cats reviews or yeah. on the Look at Billy's celeb eyelash. cast. What? Do you, do you get it? Because Billy Eilish, but <sighs> your eyelash. I thought that joke needed to Jennifer be Hudson, James Corden. James Corden. I love James Corden. I love James. James. Well. Ian McKellen. I heard that okay. they had to do in the Jason training Derulo. for the film, they had to do this thing called cat school where they would spend hours like learning how to be cats and like crawling around and acting like cats. Oh man, that's so sad. It's such a beautiful like <laughs> show on Broadway. Then they oh my goodness. Is like, it a beautiful show on Broadway? Yeah, I mean I yeah, it's a lot more beautiful than the movie is. <laughs> I yeah, guess. I heard it was plotless. Eh. I don't know. I mean, it's it's more what are we talking entertaining about? the the Broadway show versus the oh. regular like or versus the new movie. I haven't seen either. You haven't seen it. No. Yeah, I haven't seen either either. Yeah. Either either. <laughs> either either either. But can we take I'm a second kidding. and Here read the names of the cats characters? Yeah. Yes. Bomblerina, Grizabella, Bustifer Jones, <laughs> McCavity. McCavity. <laughs> Me <laughs> when I was a kid. Old <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Annie Dots. What? Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> oh my goodness, bro. Rum Tum Tugger. literally called like. I, these are horrific. Old Deuteronomy? That's the. Dude, they you know they went to some old cat lady's house and they like, like took inventory. <laughs> <laughs> these are like, this is just the worst version of um, Ratatouille. Like they were like, let's make another yeah. animal movie. It's kind of like the Shape of Water if it was been, not an Oscar award-winning I film. Seen Shape of Water. Oh, it's weird but good. Huh. It's very weird. Interesting. Ratatouille is good though. Ratatouille is good. Ratatouille <laughs> is overplayed. Okay, I'm gonna make that okay. statement. Yeah. No, I think it's that and Wally for me are both How many like. Times have you seen overplayed? Like I have only seen times. Ratatouille like two times. Okay. When I was younger, I used to go with my friends to these little like taekwondo sleepover things, and since you're little. You fall asleep and your parents actually pick you up at nine, but you're convinced it's like three in the morning because yeah. you're so tired. I'm still that way. Um, yeah. Jackson goes to bed at like what what time? Like 10 p.m.? I, I mean that. So here, here's the thing. The, the thing about me is literally when someone says you go to bed at 10 p.m., I think that's like that's super normal for someone my age. And if it's not, I'm surprised. And no, usually like nine or so nine or before. OK, here's the thing. It is. On paper, that mm-hmm. should be when like you're going to bed at your age, mm-hmm. but honestly, but no, one, no one goes to bed. I don't know if I believe that because everyone. Well, I say all my friends, but I have like three. No, <laughs> no, no, look, there's three of us right here, and you're your own friend, That's so true. you must have more than three. Yes, I do. Um, what was I saying? I was saying. Oh, your uh, friends go to bed early. No, I, oh yeah, I suppose something segued into this. I just want to have a real quick comparing. Contrast. Okay, what time do you go to bed, Jackson? Um, I okay. Uh, let's go an average of nine fifteen. Nine fifteen. Nine fifteen and a half. If I have yes. some warm milk yes, before bed. That's true. What like time the, do you wake like up? The cats. Um, well, that really depends because that that bedtime is kind of universal. Um, on a school day, 
I'll usually wake up somewhere between six and six fifteen. Um, on a weekend, honestly, it's like seven thirty or eight. Like I can't sleep in that late. It's kind of sad. Cause you go to bed too early. No, 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 Billy, no, 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 no. what okay. time do you go to bed? Average on a school night? No, just like average the past two weeks. Past two weeks, which yeah. is Christmas, <laughs> Christmas break. break. Yeah. Christmas break. Bedtime, in between two and four a.m. And what time do you wake up? After lunch, like two p.m. That's just like that's yeah. gonna be so uncomfortable. When, yeah. What time do you go to bed on a school day usually? After midnight. Man. Before one though. Man. What time do you wake up? Six. Man, how do you, bro? I don't need coffee. Can't even fix that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, bro. I think coffee can fix anything if you I have enough I cups. Don't. I, man, if I, <laughs> if I have like one cup of coffee in the morning without having anything to eat, which I often do because mm-hmm. I, it, I'm too lazy to make breakfast. It's like, <laughs> yeah, peace, I'm out. Um, like two hours later, I think it's just because I'm crashing off of the caffeine. It might just be because I'm still tired, mm-hmm. but I get like, oh my gosh, I need to sleep immediately. That's crazy to me because like I, I literally, okay. Last semester, um, I would have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning mm-hmm. so that I could leave for my internship by 5 and be in Los Angeles by 7, right? Mm. Usually like 6.30 so that I wouldn't have to sit in traffic. That's so tough. So I also couldn't have breakfast in the morning because obviously like the cafeteria is right. not open yet. Nothing's open at 4.30 in the morning. Mm. I'm not going to microwave something while I have two roommates who don't yeah. have to be up for another five hours. <laughs> so... I would just not eat breakfast, but the place I was interning at had coffee. (laughs) So I would get up at 4.30 in the morning. I would drive to LA, get there at 6.30, drink a cup of coffee at 6.45-ish, work until 9.30, drink another cup at 9.30. Then right before I left at like 11.30, I would drink one last cup because I drove straight from my internship to school mm-hmm. and then I was in school from one to four. So then I was like done at four. So I'd wake up at four thirty and finish school at four PM. But I wouldn't have any breaks to eat. So I would literally go from four thirty in the morning to four PM in the afternoon off three cups of coffee. Like I'd throw up two, three times a week. No food. Okay. 100%. It was it was cra- like the one time I had more than three, but I do know my limit though, because the one time I had more than three cups, mm-hmm. I felt jittery, like the jittery coffee feeling people mm-hmm. talk about. I think it's just because it's not healthy to drink four cups of coffee with nothing else. <laughs> but I just like, for me, coffee is like a meal. If I eat, if I drink coffee at breakfast, like to me, that's a meal I because wish. it's like I an appetite. The same. It's not it makes it me full though. Like drinking a oh, cup man. of coffee is filling to me the same way like eating a bagel is. You know? Yeah. Does that... Maybe that's just me. Like, no, it makes sense. Saying. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying. I just fully disagree <laughs> with you. <Yeah. laughs> no, I don't know. I think it, it is... Coffee is an appetite suppressant, I think. So that might also be why. Yeah. Caffeine does make you like not hungry, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes me not want to eat if I don't eat anything before because then I don't feel good. So you don't like, feel good drinking one cup of coffee? If I, if I drink coffee on an empty stomach, I'm like, yeah, that's no go. But I do it really? all the time. All yeah. the time. My, it's so funny. My cousins, or not cousins, my aunts from New Jersey are here mm-hmm. in town. So when they say coffee, they say coffee. coffee. So it's just like in my head right now. Coffee, coffee. Coffee, coffee. Coffee, Water. Water. Australia. Water. Water. That's Australian. Virginia water. is water and, or no, is water and New Jersey is water. 
Which sounds the same to someone who doesn't have family from both places. It's slightly different, but... I when I was a kid I, I used to say objectively the same word. <laughs> when I was a kid I used to say water because my parents are from New Jersey and Virginia and they say it like that over there. So I used to say water and then people would be like, "What are you saying?" And I was like, "Water." I'm sorry. Waiter. But now I say water like nice. a normal Californian. Nice. Okay. Anyway, we've been talking for literally like 15 minutes. Let's okay. let's get into the to the gist of this. Okay. The gist of this podcast. Let's do it. So today, we're going to be covering a man-made disaster that also involves murder. Okay. As a double whammy coming back from the holidays. Double whammy. So today, we are going to be talking about the Hartford Circus Fire, which happened in 1944. So we are going way back. I almost did something that was like a 20s thing because New Year's, but I really want to do the prohibition on an episode with um, my sister (laughs) because we used to be obsessed with the 20s. (laughs) Completely biased. Perfect. Not offended. Anyway. So, the date is July 6th, 1944. And obviously at this time, it's the 40s. World War II is happening. So... The in even in Hartford, Connecticut, which is like one of the biggest cities in Connecticut, it was pretty much just women and children. Like there were men in the area, but a lot of them had already been drafted to go off to war. So it was pretty much just women and children. And also at this time, something that was big in the country as a whole was going to the circus. No one goes to the circus anymore, A, because it's creepy. Um, Personally, I went to the circus like once when I was a kid and found it deeply disturbing and never wanted to go back after that. But in this time, it was a big thing to go to the circus, you know, like escapism, all this. There's Mm -hmm. so many like things like that that people don't really do anymore. Like the ballet was really popular, which it still is, but not as much, you know? Yeah. So the circus had come to town in Hartford, Connecticut. And at this time, this was like big news. It would have been like literally front page of the newspaper. Hey, um, the circus is coming to town, people. Let's get ready for this. And not only was it the circus, but it was the Ringling Brothers uh, and Barnum and Bailey Circus. So it's the biggest in the world. And this tent that they were traveling with, this was in the time of when they were literally go to a city with their like trucks and they would set up these giant tents and just perform the entire circus in this. It was traveling circus. Yeah. Stereotypical, like think Dumbo. It was that. So they actually called it a big top, which I really like, (laughs) but it's like a big top circus. Not a party rental company. What? It's a party rental company. (laughs) It's like party city on wheels. Yeah. But, um, these like big top, tents and these circuses could actually seat like nine thousand people inside these tents which is kind of crazy like the tent was literally like 500 feet long mm-hmm. which is kind of insane like i don't know the field. idea of putting like nine thousand people in a tent just doesn't <laughs> seem yeah. appealing Fire to Marshall me nowadays would say no no yeah well you know the big that thing that they would enough. say no no to is the fact that since it was the war and they were short on resources the only way that they thought to waterproof the tents was actually they used a paraffin wax which if you don't know is highly 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 flammable uh so they used a mixture that was one part paraffin wax three parts gasoline and then coated the entire tent with it wow jackson i like your segue into the was it a good segue yeah i wasn't paying attention she got to describe how the fire started yes so they Yeah. yeah it's good so they coat the entire tent with this highly flammable mixture. Fun fact, pajamas are uh, not flammable. 
like all your other clothing from experience is (laughs) no (laughs) but all your other clothing doesn't have to be non-flammable but your pajamas have to be really Mm -hmm. it's a lot i wear sweatpants well you're flammable oh buy real pajamas okay there you go that's disappointing (laughs) so they put these um this paraffin wax and gasoline combination all over the tent in order to kind of to waterproof it because they didn't have the normal mixture they would use since it was all being used mm-hmm. as resources for the war. Hmm. So they covered this entire tent. And at this particular time, when the circus had first come to town uh, the day before, they had they had actually had to cancel one of their shows in the early like afternoon just because so many things were going wrong. Like with the actual circus just nothing was like they weren't on time and like they couldn't get things set up in time they were short on personnel like it was just a bad 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 experience so they actually canceled one of their shows and what's interesting about that is in two circus people at the time canceling a show was seen as a bad omen so they actually didn't so want to do luck. any of the shows in Hartford after that because of the fact that it's seen as like a bad the omen. Like circus people didn't? Yeah. They were like offended? They they were like, no, it's a bad omen to do a show Shoot, after man. one gets canceled. It's not good for business. So, I mean, that's not like technically important to what actually happened, but it's important to me that you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, they on the Thursday that this event actually happened, um, the audience in the actual circus was around 7,000 people. So it's like pretty much at max capacity at this time. And uh, this crowd, like I was saying earlier, is almost completely made up of women and children who are sitting there. So it's like 7,000 women and children, probably more because some people would sneak in or fake tickets Mm -hmm. on those days. So uh, since it was a matinee show, especially, Mm -hmm. and it was also one of the hottest days of the summer. (laughs) So far that day. Inside of a tent. Yes, because there's nothing else to do. There's no AC. 7,000 people, women and children, hottest day of the summer, in a tent covered in gasoline. Nice. Yes. So, uh, many people believe that what happened was someone just flicked a cigarette to the side without thinking about it. But basically, a very small fire started right after the lions had finished performing. This was still in the time of animals being like big in the circus and all that. The performance was so fire. Did they kill the animals? No. Animals, okay. The, well, not all of them. Oh, but. no. So, they can't do that. That's not allowed. <laughs> so on the southwest side of the tent, um, the guy who was leading the band of the circus noticed like a, a little bit of flame that had sparked out of literally nowhere. Like it, it wasn't like a trick that malfunctioned or anything. It was just a random like probably mm. cigarette, like I said, right. that had just sparked this small fire. So what he did was he started telling the band to play the Stars and Stripes forever, which actually is a code to all the other circus people. Hey, there's a fire. Something's going wrong. Like sneaky. literally that, they would play the Stars and Stripes forever whenever something would go wrong. And it was like a cue to everyone in the circus to like start evacuating fire. everyone. No, just anything go wrong. Okay. So say like a lion gets loose. They, they would play Stars and Stripes forever and tell people to start evacuating. Bro, so the ringmaster is like, hey, guys, don't panic, but get out of here right now. But as they try to like tell them that the power fails. So he can't be heard trying to tell people to get out of this tent because he doesn't have anything to amplify his voice to tell people to get out of this tent. Hmm. So the ushers then are like trying to get people out and everyone starts to panic, obviously, Mm -hmm. as you do when you have no idea what's going on and there's 7,000 people in a tent and then there's a fire. So 
another unfortunate thing that had lined up to make this like the perfect storm for a huge disaster was the fact that there was really bad um, fire precautions going on at the time. None of the fire extinguishers had been put out like in the tent. They were all at a far away location locked in a trunk where no one could get to them. So there's no nice. fire extinguishers on scene. So they make you buy them, but then you just can put them wherever you want. Yeah, the, like so there's no fire extinguishers around. And the uh, they had not alerted the fire department that they would be performing in the afternoon. So the fire department okay. had no idea to like keep a, a lookout. And apparently they had small fire trucks that they traveled with. And uh, they were a quarter mile away, so nobody could get to them. So basically what happens is... There's no way to put out this fire. There's no way to tell people what's going on. All that happens is this small flame breaks out and then it hits the tent. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it hits the tent, it just turns into this huge inferno because it hits that mixture of paraffin wax and gasoline and starts spreading over the entire top of the tent. And like people are starting to freak out because they said that when they looked up, all they saw was this giant thing of fire on the roof of the tent and they like had no idea what was going on. And another bad thing that happened was that there were nine exits in this tent, mm-hmm. but there were really only three that people could use because the other ones were either being blocked by animal cages or they were too small for people to get out of. Okay. Man, so, that's, I, that's tough. I feel I know. like this was a good influence for like safety codes. Yes. This that's tragedy. What, what were you going to say, Jackson? That's the same thing as that. I feel like. Just like everything went wrong. Yes. I said it first though. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, <laughs> the wax starts like completely. Obviously, it's melting mm-hmm. because everything is on fire. Yes. So as it's melting, people are trying to like run out of these three exits, but it's causing like a stampede to get out of the tent. A fatal funnel. Like people who a what? A fatal funnel. I've never heard of that. Is that yeah. a thing, or did you just yeah. make that up? No, it's a thing where like there's a small space and a bunch of people. And if they're all running through that small space, it builds up. And therefore, in that area, it's most vulnerable to death happening in like a so traumatic like a situation. store on Black Friday. Yeah, I guess. So see, when I was back in my professional airsoft days, this is a, this is a true story. I don't want to um, mislead anyone. Don't want to flex? Uh, I am flexing, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, back in my professional it's airsoft days, we would start on like two sides of the field and my team captain um, graciously brought me up in his ways and taught me how to play correctly. But if I were to ever stop in that doorway or if I were to ever follow multiple people through that doorway and it was only like a one person doorway and someone's running up behind you or next to you trying to shoot you with an airsoft gun, it's professional airsoft, very high, high stress situation. Very um, painful. Right. <laughs> then you'd kind of be screwed because there's like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's called the fatal funnel. It's kind of a military term, to be honest. Well, that's what happened. That's literally exactly what happened is everyone starts rushing through these to these three exits. Some people who had pocket knives started literally cutting holes in the tent to try to get people out. Because remember what I said, like (laughs) it's women and children. So there you have these people trying to like pull kids out of there because it's literally just like, at this point, it's raining wax, like hot wax oh, on people because wax. it's melting off of the ceiling. Fire too. So like, it's just, it's like raining from the roof. And then it, after like a couple minutes, like it didn't take long. It, the fire department didn't even have time to get there before the fire burned through the poles of the tent and the entire it thing collapsed cool. down. Yeah. 
Even though a lot of people were able to get out, obviously, there were still hundreds of people that were trapped underneath Mm -hmm. the tent. So after this, like, horrible, horrible, I like, obviously, I I really can't imagine, like, a worse situation for an entertainment event. Because you just have everything that could possibly go wrong go wrong. Not to mention the fact that it's almost, like, entirely kids that go to the circus and that's like horrifying to think about but in the end 168 people were killed in the fire Mm -hmm. and about 68 of the people were children Mm. under the age of 15 Mm. um so although the majority of people were killed from like the actual fire the other causes of death were asphyxiation because like we were talking about people are trying to funnel out so they actually stampeded other people who died of suffocation in the stampedes trying to get out of the fire um and a lot of people actually believe that more than 168 people were killed because they couldn't really this is going to be a little graphic trigger warning but um at the end like they people were so burned beyond recognition that they were literally stuck together like their skin had fused in the fires to create like these big mounds of people so they couldn't correctly identify how many people had actually died in the fire not to mention the fact it's 1944 so the records weren't 100 percent accurate and they may not have been accounting Mm -hmm. for people that snuck in just kind of like a general number yeah so they didn't actually account for it was probably a lot higher than 168 people Hmm. and uh like i said it had been like a little over 7,000 that attended. So you have like 200 people approximately that are dead. And then you had 700 people who were injured because mm-hmm. of the fires. Because people, I mean, you see like there's there's pictures of it. And it's just like people standing there holding buckets. And then you see people with like third degree burns trying yeah. to like crawl out of the circus. Mm. And the other thing you have to think about is there's no like, Obviously, it's not like today where if something, if some horrible event happens, you have like ambulances and police cars and everything can be there and like super quickly and you have great health care and things like that. And they know how to treat these things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 1944. So obviously there's no real like protocol uh, for a mass emergency like this, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. it just led to more people being injured, more people dying. So... In uh, after this obviously horrible situation, uh, they were looking for what actually caused this. Was it an arson or was it just someone flicked a cigarette and this whole blaze started because of that? Mm -hmm. So in 1950, there's this guy named Robert Dale CG and he's from Ohio. And he said during an interview with the police that he he like admitted that he had set this fire. However, they had literally no proof that he had even been there. He's from Ohio. This is in Connecticut. They didn't have any proof that, like, he had been involved at all. He would have been, like, 16 years old. However, he did travel with the circus hmm. when in his youth, and he had been responsible for setting several other fires when he was a kid. Like, he was That's literally a serial arsonist. Smooth. So there he was clearly mentally ill he had like the he Mm. would draw these like images Mm -hmm. uh of him committing murders and things like that like it was just horrible and he was also convicted in ohio of several different arson charges so it was just like it seemed likely that he had set this fire but he was never actually charged for anything like they could never be 100 percent sure because it had happened so much earlier to when they first interviewed him like literally there was a six-year gap 
from when this disaster occurred to when they were able to interview him. So the justice that was served was that um, they did say, okay, this fire was just an accident, like a horrible, I mean, I would call it like a man-made disaster, Mm -hmm. you know, like it didn't, no one meant for it to happen, but it was people who were accountable for it Mm -hmm. happening. So there were four people from the circus that were charged with manslaughter and negligence because of the things that I talked about before, not putting the fire extinguishers out. They had this protocol where they were supposed to set buckets of water out uh, just so they could pour mm-hmm. it on a fire if it happened. Because literally, this was not uncommon. Like, fires would start all the time in these tents. Like, it was incredibly unsafe. It just took one giant one for people to realize, like, how bad the situation was. Yeah. Um, but they, like, didn't put out the extinguishers. They didn't put out these buckets of water. They didn't have the fire department know the any way they could combat it was a quarter mile away from the site so they charged them uh with these uh manslaughter and they eventually pleaded guilty to all of these charges these four officials and spent about a year in jail each of them and then the actual circus paid five million dollars to compensate people and that's in 1944 money. money so that's a lot of money in 1944 um this fire is Although I had never heard of it, apparently it's actually a a much bigger thing in Connecticut. Like, if you look it up online, you'll see that there's still, like, a uh, Hartford Circus Fire Memorial in Connecticut. There's a website set up that has, like, a bunch of information about the fire and, like, a memorial for all the victims, a lot of whom were too burned to be identified. Mm. Um, but there's actually one really interesting part of this case actually but there's this uh little girl who died in the fire and they nicknamed her little miss 1565 because she was she was unrecognizable like she wasn't unrecognizable that's the weird thing she was really well preserved mm-hmm. she actually didn't have like any burn marks on her face or anything like they could see exactly who she was but she was unclaimed after the fire mm. um she had passed away but she was still no one had identified her so they nicknamed her Little Miss uh, 1565 because that was her number in the morgue. And she was this like really young blonde girl. She's wearing this white dress. Like her picture is, if you look up this fire, 100% like five articles come up just about her because she, her picture is like one of the most famous pictures from that day. And uh, she's just this kind of symbol, like the the two uh, sergeants, one of the police sergeants and one of the main investigators on the case like became obsessed with finding out who she was and like having someone claim her they eventually came down to her her name was probably either eleanor cook even though eleanor cook is slightly unlikely because um mrs cook so eleanor cook's mother Mm -hmm. claimed that this little girl was definitely not her daughter but the brother said it was so she was buried as eleanor cook and buried next to the brother but then there's also people who believe her name was actually Sarah Graham and she was visiting from Massachusetts, but it's still like completely unknown. Mm-hmm. And she kind of in a way became a symbol for all the people who were left unidentified or unrecognizable from this fire and all the children and like women and just people who were lost in this horrible, tragic event. And the police officers actually left flowers on her grave um, every Christmas and memorial of the every mm-hmm year that the fire had happened yeah Yeah. and so i found this quote about little miss 1565 uh, i thought was kind of interesting but um 
Here, this is the quote. It's from the um, Hartford Circus Fire Memorial page. Mm-hmm. But they wrote, to be lost and forgotten, to be abandoned, is a shared and terrible fear. Just as our fondest hope as we grow older is that we might leave some part of us behind in the hearts of those we love and in that way live on. Perhaps in the end, we will not be lost. In that respect, she was received the only gift we can give her, a gift we wish desperately for our loved ones, a gift we all want finally to be remembered. So it's like there were so many people from the fire that couldn't be remembered or couldn't be identified, recognized. And she's kind of just this little symbol of here's this little girl who we also don't know her name. Like we don't know who she is, but she's going to be remembered. And like she's a symbol of all that happened that day, Mm -hmm. you know. So obviously it's a horrible, horrible scenario. There's plenty of because it happened in 1944, they actually have lots of. um testimonies of people who were there that day like people who were cutting through the tent and pulling kids out and all these things about firefighters who um they went through and like were hosing down just these bodies everywhere Mm. and there's actually some survivors who talk about the fact that um they are under piles of bodies and the firefighters start hosing it down and they how they almost drowned because even though there had been a fire like they were trapped Mm. under these people and then they start hosing down and the water just filters in and they almost Mm. died. So it's like all these horrible, horrible stories from survivors who like lost family members or know people who are horribly injured and like couldn't walk again or things like that from the fire. Mm -hmm. And it's still like, even though we've probably in California probably never heard of it, it's a very big deal in Hartford. And like, just, I feel like I've never been to Connecticut. I've never been to Hartford, but I feel like if you told, if you went up to someone and like asked them if they knew what it was, there's a way bigger possibility that they would know about this case than in anywhere else in the country, which is kind of surprising to me because it's such a, I mean, like 200 people dead, 700 injured is a lot. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a, yeah. So yeah. that is the horrific sad tragic disaster of the um hartford circus fire where there was little justice just like a year in prison for four people and five million dollars to the victim's families but obviously it's like nothing you can pay nothing you can do no amount of time served is gonna get the lives back of those people so it's just kind of the most we can do is look back at it and like remember it and use it as a life lesson again like you guys were saying earlier like use it as Oh, a place to be like the one time you think that nothing's going to happen. Like even if you've done mm-hmm. the show hundreds of times and you think yeah. there's never been a fire that we needed the extinguishers before, like right. before this, the one time that you don't do it is going to be the time you actually need it. So it's kind of yeah. just more, I think, a lesson of like safety precautions are not optional. Like even yeah. if you think that you mm-hmm. don't need them. Yeah. So that's that's the case. What are you guys thoughts? I don't know. What do you think, Billy? I was curious like what is the like how much impact did that have on like modern safety codes yeah that's exactly my question i don't actually think that it had an impact in like legally on safety codes i think more so it had an impact on like the circus safety Uh codes like they obviously didn't want to have to pay five million dollars for another fire yeah so they were a lot more strict about like making sure that there was fire precautions and then also i think that 
because the war was going on, that was really all the government was like super focused on at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, what's funny is that the safety codes at this time were actually technically an improvement because you think about like the early 1900s, Industrial Revolution, everything. Yeah. Yeah, there was the huge like labor solution. laws and safety codes. All that was updated. And then this <laughs> the stuff was still happening. The been lighting the tent on fire and trying to get out. Yeah, <laughs> It's just like a bad... Yeah, no, it's... It, it actually had been considered like to have gotten better. Although this really only impacted the circus because the government was just focused on like the yeah, war. I kind of yeah, that's kind of the big takeaway is that it shows and it's interesting because I was kind of even brought up about the thing with animals dying in movies and stuff is that it's just kind of not censored but a little bit you're less sensitive to that just like because they're in a wartime situation they might be just with your confusion about why it's not as like well known is that um like you think of something like. 9-11 and the environment surrounding that event was pretty calm um not necessarily i mean like you have afghanistan and this sort of thing but that event like in isolation in america was pretty like spontaneous and terrible but came out of nowhere and um and this more that kind of culture of death and and loss was kind of already mm-hmm. bred so yeah, yeah i don't know it's it because it just it goes to show that like it's it's kind of all relative in a sense what's bad and what's what sucks and what doesn't yeah. kind of which is interesting but yeah it's kind of like how i guess it, i agree with you because it's like in not the time when 9-11 happened like it wasn't like so many families were getting letters every day that their kids had died or their husbands had died or right, whatever exactly. but in world war Two, like that was happening frequently like yeah. everyone yeah. it seemed like everyone was dying to those people so it just I guess must have come across as less important or like for people who had, I just think of like the people who had family members at war or had already lost family members. And then something like this happens. We're just yeah. like, it's so unnecessary and like stupid, like, literally just human error. It it's ways. so, yeah. If they had just done one thing, one right. The many things that they didn't do. Yeah. Then this wouldn't have happened. And it's just like more tragedy for those people. It's horrible, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, I've actually, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in the podcast before, but before I started it, I had a conversation with um, Caitlin, who was on a lot of the earlier episodes of this podcast, just about like, where would you draw the line of like cases that you would cover? And I was like, well, I would never cover 9-11. Like, I don't think I'll I'll ever cover 9-11 on the podcast just because I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Because I do think it's probably the biggest man-made disaster, like, most influential for Americans, at least in our mm-hmm. lifetimes and our parents' lifetimes, but yeah. I'll never cover it because it just seems too fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it happened, literally, I was a baby. You guys weren't even born yet, right? Or you were. No, I wasn't. You weren't. No. I was a baby. You guys weren't born yet. But it just like we've grown up in this culture of like nine eleven seems so fresh. Like I could never cover it. It mm-hmm. just yeah yeah hmm. you know what i mean it's where it's like where yeah. do you draw the line of like we can sit here and talk about this because it happened in 1944 yeah. and like have some laughs and think about it and reflect on it and have be like laughs you know well we had laughs talking about like the dumber things that happened like talking about the, the tigers and whatever and, but and you know like when you sit yeah, and to yeah. Gasoline yeah. it's like man gasoline. if it rains just cancel the show don't like yeah but when you think about like 9-11 it just seems like yeah i'm curious if it's just it's too if fresh. It's because it's fresh though See, because i feel like there's other things that happened since then 
that I covered something that happened in like 2005 in Korea, right. like a department store collapse. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about. Yeah, it's kind I of that the impact of 9-11 that, that 9-11 has on the culture. Is, yeah, I think mostly the impact, honestly, that it has yeah. on our parents and yeah, that true. when that comes up, when we're growing up, that's something that's very sensitive. Because if you think about it, when we're like when a kid is mm-hmm. kind of developing those parameters of how to that moral compass, yeah. I mean, that's probably like a fourth or fifth grade, maybe like a third grader. Right. Not, yeah. not that that I mean, it's obviously it starts from birth yeah. and, and it continues. But that's that really like kind of malleable time. And you're thinking about at least our generation when we were all at that age, that was fresh for like our parents mm-hmm. who, you know, might have known someone who knew someone who died or yeah. or know yeah. or just knew someone who died, period. And it's like that, you know, like there, you hear a lot of terrible jokes by our generation, not going to lie, yeah. but very few, thank God, I hear about 9-11 just because it's so tragic mm-hmm. and it was so like... um just kind of concentrated which is crazy because it's like we weren't even i mean none of us were conscious like you talk to anyone who was older than like 10 when 9 11 happened and they can remember like exactly where they were Mm -hmm. you know exactly how they watched on the tv yeah same with mine Mm -hmm. but my parents had we just like had dinner two weeks before at the top of them oh my gosh yeah you want to know a crazy story Mm -hmm. actually um so the seats in our church, all three of us go to the same church, mm-hmm. and the seats in our church uh, in the auditorium were actually put in by a crew who flew in from New York, and they flew in from New York to California like two days before 9-11. Mm-hmm. So when they were sitting there installing the seats that were going into our auditorium, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot the most crucial part. Okay, I'll tell you it later. When they're sitting there putting in the seats they saw like they were seeing what was happening like on the news on tv and they realized that the plane that had crashed into the twin towers was the plane that had brought them from new york to california wow that's insane yeah yeah wow but it's just like i don't know it's stuff i think i think i actually just figured it out because it's the same reason i wouldn't talk about sandy hook i wouldn't talk about any you know like any real mass shootings or anything like that i wouldn't cover it because i think there's a big difference between man-made disaster which is like what we're talking about where they just messed up they did something wrong someone flicked a cigarette and everything lit on fire intentionally like killing people intentionally mass murdering people i feel like is something i just wouldn't i just wouldn't cover i don't think that it's interesting less of a podcast topic than yeah when the interesting thing about serial killers and things like that is looking into, okay, what makes people mm-hmm. do this sort of thing? Right. Not to, I but, mean, it, it, it's still, it's not like you just not like disown all of, the people who died oh, from yeah. the, well, that as well. But no, like, not, not right. at all. But, but it's, it's just it's like. It's interesting to see that individual mindset. But when we, you look at something like a, a mass school shooting or, nine, or a big terrorist attack or something like that, it's the tragedy is too distracting to be able to focus on like whatever intention it yeah the person might have had and obviously like it's tragic when someone is murdered like obviously that's tragic yeah but there's just something about like it's, a mass killing it's, it's personal, just too yeah it's too yeah it's too fr- it'll always be too fresh mm-hmm. you know just like a national tragedy will always be too fresh i think yeah 
I, again, I think, I think a lot of it has to do, um, with kind of the environment that it's introduced to and how that environment affects the rest of kind of society. Not to mention you could add the, the fact that like kind of broadcasting and news and that sort of thing and technology in the, in the early two thousands was really ramping up and that allowed that to be captured in a way that hadn't been possible before. Yeah. Um, and the fact that something like the Hartford circus fire isn't on the news once a year televised got kind of goes to show that like that sensitivity might be different just because the standard was a lot different, but as that we're moving into this time now, and then even things that have happened more locally, like in America, since that technological kind of boost in like Korea, like you said, from 2005, that's a different thing because sure there's maybe a clip of it somewhere, but it's again, it's not this kind like of like the global impact, right? Like yeah, you and it's not intentional. Yeah. Most people, majority yeah. people, you know, that is what that or that too. If you like ask them, they wouldn't know about this. Yeah, department departments store. were collapsing. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like everyone knows about nine eleven, mm-hmm. and even like other countries too. Like look at the Paris attacks. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows about that, and it's just because there is yeah yeah. It's just the difference between man-made disasters and these like mass terrorist attacks whatever they all have like mass casualties but then it's just looking at is it mm. intentional or is it an accident and it's just you know yeah See, but then what determines that the circus fire is different if the, like the guy lit a lit cigarette. it intentionally yeah. or if he accidentally threw well they don't if think that that guy actually set fire to the okay. to the circus they think it was someone flicking a cigarette but like if if it was proven that that was intentional, would you still put this on the podcast? Probably. Okay. You know why? Because it's 1944. Yeah. I think that's why. Yeah. But I, it's, yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's so weird. I guess it's yeah. up to, because I've listened to some true crime podcasts where they've covered like mass shootings and things like that. And I'll mm-hmm. listen to those episodes, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. Maybe it's more of a personal thing where I'm like, do I really have the like any authority whatsoever to like speak on this i think it's also billy you kind of touched on it is the nature of like that's not kind of a podcast type of subject yeah it it just depends on like yeah if if you have it can be a podcast that's set up for more um like observational type of things and even if it is true crime but it's more analytical than kind of Mm -hmm. um, like understanding the emotion or the intent or how you're going to react to that event there's still a place for it. Um, but something like this, like the horrible things podcast, yeah. right? It's kind of, there's this connotation there. And it, I mean, and it's supposed to be like this educational, entertaining, intriguing, but still kind of fun mm-hmm. like, yeah. narrative. It's that's a going true on. crime comedy podcast. Like right. yeah. you're allowed to have fun, but I don't think I would ever feel comfortable. There's being, just no like, space for that. Like in nine no. 11, like also, here you like, can say like, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Most people don't know about it. Plus, they cover the roof in gas and wax, which is and it's like tragic. But come on, man! Like, like what did yeah. you expect? But yeah. there are also it's kind of interesting because I there have been episodes of the podcast where I do a case and then I listen back and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't funny at all. But you know what? There's no space for that. Like when mm-hmm. we did um, the Vampire of Dusseldorf, which is like easily one of the most gruesome case I've ever covered. It has like child murder and mm-hmm. rape and all these Mm -hmm. horrible things and i'm sitting there and i'm like this wasn't funny like whatsoever but 
this is what people are coming to the podcast for is because this is interesting to to me like yeah. listening to a person that was just this horrible people but then it's like i couldn't when you think about even just 9-11 it's like the person did this to make a political statement like that's not that's just that mm-hmm. there's nothing you can unpack about that because yeah. that's just what it is also people don't need to be educated about 9-11 yeah point. true so much yeah true already educated on it it's like it's sorely already impressed on anyone everyone's mind yes. that, yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's crazy and i feel like also just especially with the other thing that i always think about is like well would i cover a mass shooting and it's like no because it's just too i know too many people like who have been affected mm-hmm. by that sort of thing mm-hmm. that i just wouldn't like i wouldn't ever talk about that you know like having warnings at our own high school last year yeah i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna sit here and talk about mass shootings and pretend that it's like some because here's the thing i'm not worried every single day about being killed by a serial killer or like Mm -hmm. being murdered but i do have a genuine fear of like a school shooter or something Mm -hmm. like that you know what i mean so it's just not like i don't know not great to talk about something that you're still (laughs) concerned about i guess in that way it just yeah. wouldn't be good podcasting yeah. i don't think it's an interesting and people question. don't want to hear about that people don't want to hear about things that they're they about yeah exactly people don't want to know about that sort of i don't think that yeah i don't think i would listen to i mean yeah i wouldn't listen to a podcast episode about 9-11 no way because i'd be like yeah this is just too like i don't want to again it depends on kind of the presupposition with that channel or yeah whatever it's yeah called. i guess because you watch a news episode or a news segment about it like a 60 you, minutes or something right so yeah so mm-hmm. again i'm not super familiar with the you know standard dynamic of a podcast i guess listen to our church's podcasts maybe if you're like in the car if but, you're an expert i feel like yeah. that's a, a different thing than that's me a good point as well. or someone else yeah who's like a younger or just a mm-hmm. person who's You're not an expert what, whatsoever yeah, yeah you know what i mean like it's one thing to sit and be like yeah i i sympathize i empathize with like everything that happened that day and like we can take a moment and think about mm-hmm. it but me with no expertise whatsoever on terrorism or mass like tragedy anything like that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's an interesting line it's a fine line mm-hmm. it is a fine line it's fine it's finer than number two ticonderoga pencil And on that note, number two, it's time for happy things. Now that we've just talked about absolutely horrible things for the past hour, it's time to transition into something a little bit more lighthearted. So basically, we're just going to say one good thing that happened this past week or that's going to happen next week or just like a good thing in general in your life. Um, I will start. I, I just did Christmas with my family. It was extremely, extremely fun. I had such a good time and I got Harry Styles tickets for Christmas, which was amazing. I also got the robe I'm currently wearing, which I love. And just like I had a, I've been having a great holiday. It's been extremely busy, but it's Mm -hmm. been really fun. Uh, I'm so happy to be back doing the podcast. So that's another happy thing. But yeah, just honestly, like, I'm enjoying being off school. I'm excited to go see Harry Styles and, like, his album was so good. And that's been my recent happy thing is I got his CD in the mail and I've been listening to it every day. (laughs) So, yeah, that's just a bunch of happy things all around because it's 
break and life is good yeah. during break. Which Jackson, one are you? Have, okay, I'll go. Um, yeah, break. That's a good segue as well. I'm thriving during this time of <laughs> school. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say I think the Christmas season is good. In my neighborhood, we had a kind of a, a disappointing um, turnout of Christmas light application. I feel like and that, that was everywhere. Right, but just driving in this neighborhood, it's after Christmas. I saw a little bit more Christmas joy, singing loud for all to hear vibes. You know what I'm saying? Then, yes. And that was then good. your community during Christmas. It's yes. Bigger here after than yours Correct. during. And that's depressing. Yeah, mostly I've just I've been resting, gotten some new musical stuff for Christmas, been yes. creating. It's great. Yeah, really thriving. Well. I am also going to talk about Christmas. About Christmas. I don't want to be materialistic, but I did get a fancy new guitar. Ooh, yes. tell the people Very what it cool. is. Yes. A red, cherry red Telecaster. And it is a left-handed Telecaster, is because it not? Because I am left-handed. Because it's a left-handed individual. If you go to Guitar Center, one, maybe two maybe. left-handed guitars. Yeah, yeah true. I have store. a tiny left-handed baby Taylor. Baby Taylor. Do you play left-handed? Mm-hmm. T. I know. Part of me is like, why didn't I just learn righty? But I learned when I was like 10, so Mm. there's no going back now. (laughs) But yeah, you got a guitar. Anything Uh, else? Um, got a lot of clothes. Remember when you were a kid and you would just hate clothes? Just hate getting clothes. I mean, I don't know if it's different with girls. You probably like getting clothes like your whole life, but... Not when I was a kid, but now. Like guys, until like 13, 14. Yeah, just, I didn't like, like really. Did, are you saying you got clothes? I got clothes. I'm about so it? happy about yeah, it. Yeah, I got. I've been wearing all of them. What do I keep doing? Okay. Yeah. No, I um, I also, mm-hmm. I got a denim jacket. I didn't know I was a denim guy. And I don't know if I am or not, but it's a comfortable jacket, so I mean, I've been wearing like it. it but thank you. I do like it too. It has Thank a little you. fuzzy collar, and, and I got that's some in. Hillsong Worship church merch. Church, church yes, merch from their new album. <laughs> and, and I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah. I feel like the trend the what girls like at least for my sister and i what it is is that we're kids like young i'd say until we're like eight we were like yeah clothes for christmas sucks then after we're like eight to like 14 you're like yes clothes for christmas mom dad buy me clothes whatever then after you turn 14 you're like why don't you just like you can Let's just give go, me the cash out now. Come yeah. on, come on, You're like, know. just give me money so I can pick out the clothes right. I want. <laughs> you know, my so mom that's... is We're super good at that. Want. If yeah. she like friends my age, I'm 17, um, and then a little bit younger too. Like kind of my friends who have younger siblings who are like family friends, like two grades down or whatever it is. Um, she, a lot of people can sometimes they're like afraid to just give money. And my mom, she's very transparent. She's like, people want money. Give them money. So less work for me. They're more happy. <laughs> it's like, exactly. and, they can pay and they want. like whatever you're going to pay on shipping or your Amazon Prime subscription you don't have to or pay. tax at the store, it's like, make them responsible for that. Mm-hmm. You are giving a more pure gift. <laughs> and it's like, Can you is- tell them, the people, um, what you got from your family friends? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh-huh. I... Um, yeah, full transparency here. I've received a Gucci belt from my <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. 
Yes, um, absolutely. What, what kind of Gucci belt is it? Please I, describe I cannot, it. I can neither confirm or deny this information because <laughs> you're threatening to fact check this Gucci belt right now. <laughs> I'm not to do I, I that. Won't fact check. No, Gucci. no fact check. Figure out what Gucci belt you got. Figure out. No, they um, they, my friends informed me they got it on Black Friday, and they were at South Coast Plaza, and the power went out on Black Friday, and I'm like, oh. whoa, get it. This is Black Friday, it's and we're not gonna. So we're just gonna leave the fact check undisclosed over here. Oh, I'm and um, it's. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. You want to know how much the Gucci belt costs? No, 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 no. no I'm gonna no. tell you how much it costs. Don't, no, okay. you're gonna tell That's me. That's not how Christmas. I haven't even worked. checked yet because I'm embarrassed. All right. That's all I so, have to say. More serious note. Wait, do we have more time? <laughs> yes, go ahead. Okay. We have as much time as we I want. I feel like this is like the first or maybe second year that I could have been completely fine going through Christmas without getting anything, and just like. Having time, like two weeks, to hang out with people. That too. Bond. Yeah, I totally I agree. agree. No. Yeah, no, I that was totally the mood kind of coming out of that first semester of school. Is I'm yeah. like, I want time to be, you know, we all mm-hmm. volunteer or not. Some of us volunteer. Some of us have more. Res- some of us are paid higher, to higher responsibilities <laughs> at, at our church. Some might call that a job. A, a job being paid at to our volunteer. church. <laughs> yes. Um, but I was looking forward to kind of participating in that. Um, kind of the church production stuff we're doing there and then um for christmas and then also just kind of having family over and not having things to do every day is just Mm -hmm. it was that was a a huge gift in itself i got a gucci belt so it's like what more can i ask for yeah what more can you want you still haven't worn the gucci belt Um, i have worn the gucci belt multiple times where i've also worn it in your presence what Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah was it covered? Is it? it was. Are you wearing it right I'm now? I'm not wearing it right Dang now. Dang it! I'm currently wearing a Vicky Marsha belt. I, I don't know what that private is. School Gucci belt next weekend. Next weekend, I don't. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I expect it's to see just, it tomorrow. It's just not a church belt. Oh, yeah. I want to see it tomorrow. <laughs> I, well, I want to see it tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and as you might recall from the beginning of this podcast, these two hooligans have convinced me to stay up until midnight. Are we doing? East Coast or the, what? No, we're staying we're, up till midnight. Oh it's my gosh, New guys. Year. See, so as you can Jackson. see, I'm morning. And you're staying up late tonight, and then you're going to sleep in tomorrow, and then stay up late again. But that's the problem. I can't sleep in. Yes, like, you can. No, like like internal clock, Trust world me. clock. If you then stay up long enough, take a nap. If you stay up long enough, you will sleep in. <laughs> take it from Billy's experience. Yes. Yeah, but it's not like a dramatic change. It's like maybe till nine. You have to take a dramatic. Staying okay, away. Okay, you're right. I will you know not what? try. But it's break, point. and you can stay <laughs> up till midnight. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then you walk home. Stay up till two. <laughs> <laughs> walk home. Okay. Anyways, yeah, it's great. But I think we're gonna end the podcast here. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Horrible Things. If you want to find us during the week when it's not a Tuesday, you can find us on Instagram at Horrible Things Podcast, as well as on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, if you want to support the podcast in a more monetary way, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash horrible things. Or if you want to support us on Apple Podcasts, you can do so by leaving a rate and review. <laughs> I almost she forgot what I was going to say. Send if Gucci you belt. leave a rate and review, it helps <laughs> us get found by other people. But the most important way that we can get more people to listen to the podcast is just tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your coworkers, tell people about this podcast, support it on Instagram and all that jazz, and more people will find this. So I hope that everyone had a wonderful holiday season, wonderful break. Uh, and I just want to tell you guys to remember. Don't coat your tents in wax and gas. And keep your fire trucks close by. And most importantly, don't Don't do do horrible horrible things. things.